the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Bob Bergman. I'm broadcasting from my office in San Jose in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose, if you're familiar with that. My office is on Ross Avenue at Hillsdale, uh, which is just off of Highway 85 and not too far from Highway 17 either. Um, I thought today I would go a little bit different direction from what I usually do. Uh, I will do, usually do. Uh, I will be taking calls on the air if someone does have a question they'd like to ask me. Number is 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. You could also email me at radio at lawbob.com. That's R-A-D-I-O at lawbob, L-E-W-B-O-B dot com. I want to let you know out there that I do have uh, seminars coming up, my Living Trust seminars, which have proven to be very popular over the years. My next set of seminars is this next Saturday. I think it's next Saturday, the 7th of September. I have a 9 o'clock seminar, and I have a 12 o'clock noon seminar for those of you who like to sleep in on Saturday mornings. Sadly, that does not include me unless I'm not actually working that day. Um, I do have space available in both seminars. You can uh, go to my website at lawbob.com and follow the links to the registration site for the seminars. You can uh, actually find links to the individual seminars I have coming up to register for them. Or you can go to eventbrite.com and search for the Living Trust Seminar on September 7th. I'll have two listings there. I've also put up listings for um, for October now, if September is a little too soon for you. So I do have two more of the seminars coming up in October, uh, on October 19th, again at 9 o'clock in the morning and 12 o'clock noon. So if that works better for you, you can go ahead and grab and register uh, for one of those spaces as well. Again, the number is 800-516-1220 if you'd like to call in. But what I think I want to do today is something I haven't done for several months now, which is to go over and expand on and explain what I actually do as an estate planning attorney, what my background is, and what I actually do in the area of, of estate planning. Now, first of all, let me explain estate planning. A lot of people, they hear estate planning 
and they think that I am a financial advisor, meaning I recommend investments or sell insurance or something like that. Uh, There are many financial advisors that call themselves estate planners because they're looking at planning for the acquisition of an estate, helping your estate grow. As an estate planning attorney, I focus on what is necessary to preserve that estate, to protect it as much as possible, if it is possible, but to make sure that there's an orderly transfer of assets in the estate onto those people or organizations that you want to receive them after you have died. So that is what an estate planning attorney does. Now, as an estate planning attorney, I'm actually board certified by the State Bar Board of Legal Specialization as a specialist attorney in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Now, there's not many attorneys that actually have that specialization in the state. Uh, If you're talking about Santa Clara County, which is where I mainly practice, there's only about 100 attorneys out of the over 8,000 attorneys that are in the county that actually are estate planning specialists. Um, That's to be distinguished from an attorney who sells living trusts as part of his or her practice. I don't sell legal documents. I plan estates, and the legal documents that I prepare are based on the actual design of the plan. So every plan that I do for a client is a customized estate plan. I don't use fill-in-the-blank forms or things like that, which is you'll find very commonly with many attorneys, with uh, online services, books that you can buy at the bookstore, do your own trust, things like that. I will say that the preparation, the proper preparation of an estate plan is a lot more complicated than all of those do-it-yourself approaches would have you believe. They would have you believe doing your own living trust and estate plan is as easy as, oh, say, ordering on a menu at a restaurant and uh, and having the meal prepared and delivered to you. It really is much more complicated than people realize. That's a reason why it's an actual specialty in law practice here in California and in many other states as well. It's because it's a specialized area of the law. It not only involves interpersonal family relationships, it involves income tax issues, estate tax issues, real property tax issues, Um, planning for special needs, family members. It may involve planning for how do you deal with a blended family where you have children that are from different parents in the family and maybe even children that are from that uh, parental relationship, his kids, her kids, their kids, or uh, nowadays also her kids, her kids, their kids, his kids, his kids, their kids. All of those issues uh, come into play in the area of estate planning. So I actually offer free consultations. Uh, I've, I've never charged for consultations as long as I've been practicing. And I realize listening to the intro to my show, I'm going to need to probably update, have that updated pretty soon. Uh, because at the end of next year, I'll, I'll have been in practice for 40 years. So saying over 30 years is... Yeah, that's kind of being generous. It's really 
39 years I've been in practice. Um, but I do offer free consultations, and uh, you can actually book a free consultation right through my website at lawbob.com. There's a link on the first page. If you click on that, it will take you to a page where you fill out a little bit of information, submit that, and you'll get pulled directly into my calendar where you can find a date and time that works best for you. And uh, you can book that way. Uh, that will then email you a confirmation of your, uh, of your booking and uh, generate another email to you that explains kind of what to do to prepare for your consultation. And uh, I typically uh, may also follow up with an email directly that I generate that gives you all the paperwork that you need for your consultation. As I said, it's free. It's a free half hour. Usually goes more like 45 minutes or an hour, but it's a guaranteed free half hour consulting with me. Um, if you are also involved in the administration of a trust estate because someone has died and you've been put in charge of handling those things, you could also schedule a, an estate administration for trusts also through my website. It's the same basic process as scheduling uh, an estate planning consultation. So the primary practice that I have is doing estate planning for individuals and families involving living trusts, powers of attorney, advanced health care directives, HIPAA authorizations, a marital property agreement for um, married couples, and, uh, and another type of planning called the Children's Legacy Plan for those who have minor children, something that I include as a matter of course when I do planning for those families that have minor children, minor children being those under the age of 18 years. But I'm going to continue on after this first break when we come back talking more about the types of things I do in my practice and encouraging you to call at 800-516-1220 if you have a question you'd like to ask me on the air. But until then, I'll talk with you after the break. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. If you want to call in, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or you can email me at radio at lawbob.com. And I'll be happy to take your question by email or on the air and uh, answer it for you if you have a question for me. Now, before the break, I was talking about the types of things that I do as an attorney in my law practice. Uh, my primary practice is estate planning for individuals and couples, and uh, that involves preparing uh, primary documents like uh, revocable living trust, advanced health care directive, a financial power of attorney, and similar documents to that. I also do planning uh, involving life insurance for those that want to take their life insurance and have it removed from their taxable estate that's taxable for federal estate tax purposes. Not many families need to worry about that anymore, but you could also have it removed for some asset protection purposes so that it's no longer owned by you 
and could not be accessed by a creditor. Um, that involves creating what's called a life insurance trust or irrevocable life insurance trust, sometimes abbreviated as ILIT. Uh, I also do uh, charitable trusts, which are trusts that are set up to ultimately benefit one or more charities, but they're used to transfer heavily appreciated property uh, into the trust that can then be converted without any income tax consequence and reinvested so that income can be paid out to the person who put the property into the trust uh, and actually help uh, enhance the um, enhance the income that they have, typically in retirement or um, if they just need more income from their current assets that they have. That's a very specialized kind of trust. Um, I very rarely do them, but it is something else that's available for people who may need that. I also do supplemental needs trusts for special needs uh, people. And a supplemental needs trust, it's called a supplemental needs trust because it's designed specifically for the purpose of holding on to assets that are um, being held for someone who is a special needs person. And, um, and a special needs person specifically um, so that the assets being held for them are not used up in the person's care, but instead can be held uh, and used to supplement whatever assistance the person is receiving, uh, typically from a government entity. For example, special needs people may be receiving uh, SSI, um, Supplemental Security Income, which is a needs-based income program from the federal government. Um, that would be a source of income for them. They might be receiving Medi-Cal here in California as their primary health insurance, unless the person's over age 65 and then they're in the Medicare program. But under age 65, they would be in the Medi-Cal program. A special needs person might also be receiving uh, housing through Section 8 uh, through the Housing or Urban Development, or HUD, Section 8 Housing. Um, they also might be in one or more specialized programs for people that have the same disability as the special needs person, well, whether it's autism or uh, developmentally disabled or any number of other types of disabilities. There are often many programs around that will help someone who is a special needs person, as long as they don't have assets of their own. One of the ironies is that many of the programs that could benefit uh, special needs people, especially special needs children, um, they do have um, financial requirements attached to them. And many families that actually have resources their children can't qualify for those programs because the families have resources to pay for it themselves, but there's often no private programs available for the family that has the money to actually pay to get assistance for their special needs child. It's one of the ironies that many of the best programs for special needs children, for example, are needs-based programs, and they really are for families that don't have resources and families that do have resources 
are often excluded from those programs because they have resources. But there's no similar or equivalent private programs that they can use. Um, that changes when the special needs person becomes an adult, but up until that point, uh, it could be problematic. The main thing, though, is you want to make sure that anything that's being left to a special needs person by you or by some other family member is left in a supplemental needs trust. Because otherwise, if it's left directly to the person, they will either have to spend almost all of it before they can get assistance from the government again, or else what's called a first-party special needs trust will have to be established through the court system to receive that inheritance or any contributions to the inheritance from uh, from other family members or friends. Uh, and what will happen is they'll still be able to get their benefits, but when that special needs person dies, what will happen is the monies in the first party special needs trust will first have to go to pay back the government or governments for whatever monies were spent on behalf of that special needs person. Uh, I often tell people there's really only one proper way to leave monies or property to a special needs person, and that is in a trust. You can have well-meaning relatives that decide to leave money to uh, a niece or a nephew or a grandchild who's special needs, and they provide in their estate plan to make outright gifts to that person, thinking that that somehow will be helpful. Actually, it's likely to be very unhelpful and could even cause the loss of benefits for that family member. If they intend to do that, the family should talk together about the best way to actually handle that. And I would suggest that uh, whoever is the primary caregiver for the special needs person should be the one to establish a supplemental needs trust where their own property can be directed there after they have died and other family members can be given the information to direct any gifts they may want to contribute to go into that supplemental needs trust for the disabled family member. So I'm coming up on the mid-show break now. When I come back after the break, I'm going to talk about two different special types of court petitions that I do to deal with very specific issues with living trusts after they become irrevocable, which is typically after someone has died. So if you stay tuned, you can still always call at 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com. But if no one calls in and if no one asks any questions through my email, I will be talking about those special types of petitions after the break. So I'll talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I am taking calls today. If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220. Or you could email me at radio at lawbob.com with any questions, 
uh, you may have that you'd like to hear on the air. Uh, barring anybody calling in or any questions coming in, I'm going to spend the second half of the show talking about two special types of court petitions that I do in my practice um, that are primarily aimed at assisting the the clients of other attorneys, other estate planning attorneys, who run into specific type of difficulty. The first one has to do with a very common error that is made uh, by people who have living trusts and have estate plans prepared for them. And that error is, uh, is basically in two versions. Version number one is the failure to properly retitle or transfer the ownership of uh, assets that are owned into the ownership of the new trust that has been created. Typically, when you create a living trust, you want to transfer the ownership of assets like real estate, uh, promissory notes, especially ones secured by a deed of trust on real estate, um, most bank accounts, brokerage accounts, um, shares of limited liability companies or C corporations, a whole host of different types of assets that you transfer into the ownership of the trust. You would not transfer the ownership of retirement plans like IRAs and 401ks, 403b plans. Uh, the reason for that is those have to be individually owned by a person as the beneficiary of the plan uh, in order to avoid having immediate taxation result um, because the plan is transferred into a living trust. People used to do that back in the day uh, without realizing that that triggered a 100% distribution of the plan. Now, that may mean that someone's trust is named as the contingent or effectively the backup beneficiary for the plan after spouse, maybe after spouse and then children. That's a whole separate topic for discussion that I'm not going to go into on the show today. Uh, suffice it to say that it's very common for people to not transfer the title of their property into their trust or uh, purchase property later, like purchase a new house or another, uh, another piece of real estate and neglect to title it in the name of their trust, um, or in the alternative, to be compelled by a lender to take a property out of the ownership of a trust in order to do a refinance of the underlying mortgage on the property, and then failing the, to put the property back into the ownership of the trust. If you think of a trust as being like a big toy box, and the things that you own as being like the toys in the toy box, there can be a serious problem that happens if someone dies and some of their toys are still sitting on the floor and they weren't put away in the toy box, either weren't put there in the first place or they were taken out to play with and then not put back in. That's what a refinance essentially is. In a case like that, this is where someone having a will that is done at the same time as their trust can become very, very important. A typical will prepared when you have a living trust, we call in the business a pour-over will. It's called a pour-over will because it's designed to take property 
that's whether it's real estate or bank accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that, uh, property that is owned outside of the trust after someone died, and then do some kind of process using the probate code, which is the, the law concerning trusts and estates, using some kind of legal process to get that property turned over to the ownership of the trust so it can then be distributed according to the terms of the trust. And uh, with a pour-over will, it will typically direct that any property subject to probate court is to be turned over to the trustee of the trust that was set up uh, at the same time or before the will was actually set up. Now, in some parts of the state of California, uh, if the only evidence that you have that someone intended property to be in their trust is a pour-over will, that's not going to be sufficient. Uh, Where I practice here in the Bay Area, there's a court that I use where that is sufficient, and we actually go to court, petition the court, what's called a Hegstat petition, H-E-G-G-S-T-A-D. It's after a court case. That's what it's named after. And the Hegstat petition basically goes to the court and says, Judge, this person had a trust. They died. When they died, they owned property in their individual name or else they had property paid to their estate like life insurance where the person they had named as a beneficiary was already deceased when the owner of the insurance died or a retirement plan in a similar situation. Uh, In a case like that, um, it's possible to go to court with written evidence of the intent of the person that they intended to have that property be in their trust and have the judge sign an order putting it into the trust. I do these regularly uh, as long as everybody whose interests are affected agree that it's okay and they agree to have the case heard in the court I go to. We can get this done typically within seven to ten days. Many parts of the state, it could take several months to get it done. So that's called the Hegstat petition. Now, I've been informed by my uh, my engineer that I have a phone call. Can you tell me who's calling and from where? I'm calling from Fremont, California. Hi, and, and do you have a first name? Uh, my name's Dan. Dan. Okay, Dan, this is Bob in San Jose. So you're okay. calling a lawyer on the radio. I promise to be gentle with you. Is this your first time on the radio? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, I'll be especially careful then. What is your question? Okay. Uh, My father-in-law died recently, and he has an estate of less than $150,000. Okay. And we do not have a copy of the original will. All right. So... um, the the magic number hundred and fifty thousand you're referring I'm guess referring to the um asset limit to do what's called an affidavit of small estate value. Um one of the ways under the probate code to get assets transferred to the ultimate recipients. I will tell you, having the original will is not essential to doing the affidavit because the will is not is not attached to the affidavit. Um, what you would need is a death certificate 
for your father-in-law. Uh, the affidavit identifies that it's been at least 40 days since he died, that the assets subject to um, to probate are less than $150,000. You would list the assets in the affidavit, like Wells Fargo checking account ending in 5519 or something like that. And then whoever is named as the executor in your father-in-law's will is the one who signs the affidavit and fills out in there who the property is supposed to go to. In other words, who's supposed to inherit through the will. Um, these kinds of forms, you can download them from the Internet. They're readily available. You fill it out, attach the documentation it says to attach, sign it, have it uh, notarized. In this case, it's typically going to be a jurat, which is a sworn notarization before a notary. Um, and then that paperwork with the original death certificate goes to the uh, place that's actually holding the assets, or wherever it is, a bank account, brokerage account, um, insurance policy, whatever it happens to be. Um, and if you have multiple places to go, my recommendation is make an affidavit that identifies each place individually in the affidavit. Did that answer that for you? Well, I hope so. Maybe I didn't ask uh all the uh, questions correctly, because there was... Okay, let's circle back around. Okay, there was a uh, trust, and during the uh, course of his life, he was drawing down funds from the trust, and that's where we have the uh, minimum, you know, the under $150,000 Okay, so is all the money and everything in accounts owned by the trust? Uh, yes. Okay, then then the, the dollar amount in there is not important. Uh, if it's owned by the trust, whoever is now the successor trustee, I'm presuming that might be your spouse, is that correct? Yes. You're calling on behalf of your spouse, essentially. Um, whoever is the successor trustee is going to be the one that's in charge of um, gathering assets in and paying off debts and things like that, doing a a final tax return if it's appropriate for your father-in-law, and then distributing everything out. And that would be the case if it's $150,000 or $150 million. Um, So what I was describing to you is something that would be used um, if there was nothing like a trust owning the property. No, okay. So we're coming up on coming up on a break here. Do you have more questions to ask? If so, I'll have you stay over the break. Would you like to do that? Uh, no, thank you, Bob. It was uh, great. I've enjoyed your show over the years, and hopefully well, someday that. we'll meet. Okay. Okay, Bye-bye. well, come to one of my seminars. You can meet me there. Okay. okay. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Well, that was a nice call with Dan from Fremont before the break. Um, We have our shortest segment of the show right now, and I thought I would just um, quickly in this cover the other type of court petition I do do, rather that um, involves trusts. 
Um, many, many years ago, um, in my early years as an estate planning attorney, and then for many, many years after that, uh, we typically created trusts for married couples, uh, what were called AB or ABC marital trusts. They were designed to divide the assets owned by a married couple at the death of the first spouse in order to take advantage of the federal estate tax exclusion amount available many years ago. It was $600,000 at one time. And what that meant was you could pass $600,000 of estate to someone like your children and they would not pay this federal estate tax. Um, Back then here in California, especially here in the Bay Area, uh, people had estates that were seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollars between their house and maybe life insurance and retirement monies and investment accounts. And and because of that, if one spouse died and left everything to the other spouse, then when the other spouse died, they would have too much estate, according to the federal government. And uh, and what would happen is they would end up. Um, maybe paying an estate tax when the surviving uh, parent died. Now, I do a type of court petition, which is called a trust modification petition, where we can actually go into court after someone's died and undo that type of planning so everything just goes to the surviving spouse. This can be very important for tax purposes. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot more detail on that because I've been informed I have another caller, and I want to make sure to get them in before the show's over. So who am I talking with? Hi, this is Sally, the spouse of Dan that you spoke to from Fremont a little while ago. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you weren't satisfied with the work and the job he did for you. Okay, so hi, I Sally appreciate... from Fremont. Okay. Let's do some follow-up then. All right. First question. I have a copy of uh, Will and Trust but do not have an original. How an important original of, of either document? Of either document. Okay. Well, first of all, if you don't have the original will, you don't have, you don't have the legal requirement to file it with the court because you don't have the original. Whoever right. has the original has the obligation to, to what we call lodge it with the court or file it with the court. I'm assuming in Alameda County. Is that where your, your father was? Fresno County. Fresno County. Okay. Uh, Same thing in Fresno County. Having a copy of the trust is fine Um, because, um, you know, first of all, is there anyone who's going to complain about it? No. And most places are not going to want to see a copy of it unless you are doing a transfer of real estate out of the trust two ultimate beneficiaries, then typically the assessor will want to see a copy of the trust because that's where the transfer is coming from. But even then, they don't want to see the original. Okay. And there's no property involved. It's uh, an account at a credit union. Okay. Well, that, that would be pretty darn straightforward. Is the account actually owned by the trust? Uh, I have to check with the credit union. I believe it was in my stepdad's name, but the trust states that it should be trans- you know that it should be transferred to the trust. Or the will says that the 
let's see, the trust agreement. Uh, Does the trust list it as as something that's part of the trust? Let's see. Like in a schedule of assets or something? You know, that whole discussion that I had um, be, before the break with your husband might very well apply here. If okay. the account is not in the trust name but is in is is in your stepdad's name, then you're probably going to need to use that affidavit of small estate value um, as the executor of the will to get it transferred to you as the trustee of the trust so you can distribute it. Okay, um, I guess I need to affidavit- check with the union and find out yeah. what... Because the credit union said they wouldn't accept that um, acknowledgement form. They said they needed an authorization from an attorney on how to distribute the funds. That makes no sense at all. Well, it didn't Um, to me either, because my understanding is the way it should happen is, since I'm the designated trustee, that the funds would come to the to the trust, like I would open a account. Yeah, if the will, if the will directs probate assets to be paid over to you as trustee of the trust, then you're absolutely right. That's what the affidavit would say. I, I, I'm sorry, Sally. We're um, okay. we're coming up on a hard break in about a minute here, but I think the no, well, affidavit of small estate value is, is what you need. Standing. Go ahead. Okay. Well, good. Uh, hopefully, I've pointed you in the right direction to get that resolved, um, because I don't think you—I don't know that you need an attorney for it either. Um, be and I don't know what they're asking for something from an attorney. Uh, but anyway, we're coming up. We got about thirty seconds to go now. So thank you for calling in. Thank you for listening. To all of you out there in the Bay Area, uh, have a wonderful three-day weekend. Those of you who have a three-day. Um, I'm going to be playing tomorrow. My kids are going to have a play date with some of their friends to see the new kittens. Should be great. So I'll talk with you next week. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.